call the meeting to order. See the call the roll. Alder Chief? Uh, here. DeMarb? Here. Esprit? Here. Rummel? Present. Revere? Here. Sagan? Here. Quorum. So we will follow our usual procedure. Take a moment here. Look for which items we want separation and then adopt the consent to calendar. We will definitely have separation on two, which requires a substitute. And I will just be patient here and wait a moment to see what you would like on separation. Fifteen. Fifteen has been requested for separation. Eleven. Eleven. <coughs> Fifteen and eleven. Nine and ten. Fifteen and eleven. Thirteen. Nine and ten and thirteen. And we still have two for separation. Alderman Brevere? Thank you. The ones left on my list would be items 8 and 14, please. 8 and 14. Any others? <laughs> still have 16 there. Yeah. 16 will be separated because... Not possible. We'll take separation on 16 just because. So, so far I've got separation on two. 8 through 11, 13 through 16. So much for a 45 minute meeting. <sighs> Any other items for separation? I'd like a motion then to suspend the rules to adopt the consent motion. Move to suspend the rules to adopt a consent motion. Is there a second? Second. second. Motion to second on suspension. All those in favor, aye. 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 Opposed, no. Motion carries. Alderman DeMarb. I hope I have this. I would like uh, a motion to approve items 1, 3, 4, 5, 6, and 7, and 13? 12. 12. 12. Sorry, and 12. Is there a second? Second. We have a motion to approve items 1, 3 through 7, and 12. If this motion carries, the recommendations on those will be adopted. Discussion? Seeing none on the motion, all those in favor, aye. 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 Opposed, no. Motion carries. We will now go to item number two. Is there a motion? Um, motion on two, and it, is this a substitute? Yes. Yes. Um, to bring forward the substitute, then. Motion to introduce the substitute. Is there a second? Second. Motion and a second. Discussion on item two. Alderman Revere. Thank you. I certainly wasn't going to separate this, but since we have a substitute, maybe we'll just take a second to ask Dave. You previously reported to us that the city's had difficult cheese uh, in the past hiring accountants because of our apparently wage scale for them. Did remind us did we change the the scale for all accounting all accountant classifications, or do you think that I don't believe the scale. The engineering division might have difficulties filling the position. Um, I think this was more about making it a six tenths of an FTE, if I remember correctly. But Rob can, so that it can be eligible for benefits. Well, I read it to yeah. be from an account clerk to an accountant. Am I reading it wrong? Too, that's correct. Yeah, that's it. it it's, you're both right. Uh, okay. Point five to point six will allow a benefits. And changing from an account clerk to an accountant, too. That so was my question was about accountants like President DeMar. 
that that change was in the budget, the change from the accountant to account clerk two to an accountant. No, I'm sorry. It, it, let me explain this. It, the <laughs> position was uh, hourly previously, and the uh, 2016 budget changed it to a, a permanent full-time .5 account clerk uh, two, I think. Account clerk two, I think. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, this substitute will now change it to an accountant to at point six times. Right. And maybe I'm not making myself clear. I was just asking more globally, so not just for engineering division, Rob, but I was asking Dave. I, in the past, we have heard, I guess in particular, the finance department has had difficulties hiring qualified, competent accountants because of the competitive nature of the marketplace. And did you say that we've changed our overall... I don't think we've changed the structure. I think this is just a classification change, probably for the reasons you state, that it would be probably the complexity of the job plus uh, being able to attract qualified candidates for it, moving it from an account clerk to an accountant to. So has your department, for example, had been successful in hiring and filling out your we have accountant been able, ranks? We have been able to fill. We have switched some positions to um, accountant classifications, and that has helped with the competitive nature. But we're also looking to have um, that higher level of professional background as well. Thank you. Further questions or discussion? Seeing none, all those in favor of adoption, aye. Aye. Opposed, no. Motion carried. <coughs> that takes us to item number eight. Is there a motion? To move item eight, please. Is there a second? There is. Discussion. Alderman Rivera. Well, thank you. I know that there was quite an extensive discussion of this resolution at the most recent Transit and Parking Commission meeting. You can see the rather detailed minutes included in the legislative history. So I wanted to um, ask, I guess, Bill and Sabrina and is Matt here? Yes. At, at, oh, yeah, here he is. At TPC, I know that there were many, many questions asked and answered by staff. Um, my, my overall question, and by the way, I want to congratulate Sabrina on her new position. So congratulations. Uh, so really for all of you, the staff that are working on the development of this garage on East Washington Avenue, it seemed when I, I actually watched the replay of the TPC meeting, and it seemed quite clear to me that the TPC felt left out of the conversation and unaware of what was going on, and this is a whole new model, you know, for us, a whole new world. Um, to give one example, I can't remember, I think maybe it was Ian Kovich that stated it first, but but the concern that the TPC um, be involved in the development of the RFP, assuming the resolution is adopted by the council and we move forward. Can you more just globally, you folks, address the general concerns that the TPC seemed like they haven't been fully part of the conversation and, and really need to be part of the conversation moving forward? But I can just kick it off. Um, so we briefed the TPC back in June of last year on kind of at a very cursory level the concept of a publicly owned parking utility structure uh, on the MGE property to serve the 800 South Block. Um, again, it was very cursory. It was to just let them know that, that we were considering uh, this. 
And this resolution then, um, which is kind of the first step in that process, which is to issue an RFP uh, to select a firm to do the design and engineering work for, for that structure, was before the TPC, as you indicated, a couple weeks ago. Um, there were numerous items that the TPC raised uh, that are, are questions that need to be addressed uh, prior to proceeding uh, with the construction of, of the ramp, um, centering on operational issues, pilot issues, um, and, and the like. And, and certainly, um, as we move forward, uh, prior to approving a parking structure, those are items that certainly, as staff, you know, we're going to have to have some answers to present to policymakers for the TPC and ultimately the full council to make some decisions. Uh, because, uh, yes, uh, this will be a different structure than, than we have uh, in some of our downtown facilities. Mm -hmm. and I'll defer if you have anything else. Bill or Sabrina want to add anything on that? Oh. Um, I would just add that uh, in addition to what Matt said was that uh, actually, you know, issuance of a, a contract and signing of a contract wouldn't be happening until we have some of those specifics worked out as well. So. Um, this is really uh, conceptual. We're narrowing down some of those items now, um, but we'll be working on actually developing that RFP here over the next couple of weeks. And uh, obviously the, the TPC recommends a couple of amendments in this regard to allow for them to be more involved in the process. I, mm -hmm. I'm sure the staff has no objection or concerns with the way these amendments were worded at TPC. So we should include in our, I don't know if it was clear in our motion that what we're adopting is what was recommended to us by the TPC or not. But that would, that would be my hope tonight that our motion. Chair, we'll take the motion as to be the adoption of the TPC version of the report. Thank you, Mayor. And then just another question or two. Could you, um, I don't want to take too much time on this, uh, uh, but could you line, go through for us what the very generalized timeline is and the multiple pieces to this process involving amending the TID and 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 so forth? Any or all of you, what you know, the timelines will be again, assuming that the council adopts this resolution. Sure, I, I can start. And obviously, this is a hybrid because we're never. It's a parking utility owned and operated facility, but it's being funded and really. Um, strongly fostered, if you will, by our economic development division and, and uh, the power of a new TIF statute related to being able to use um, TIF revenue for parking, sure. public parking structures. So I think the best way to describe it is there's a series of sort of simultaneous negotiations that are happening relative to this project overall. Uh, one is uh, the city's in communication with Madison Gas and Electric about the possibility of leasing a portion of their property where this, this ramp would be located. Uh, the second is the design and operating model for the ramp itself, of which uh, the RFP to, to retain an architect and an engineer is, is on the agenda this evening. There's also the discussions and negotiations with Gap Park Development uh, for the 800 South Block redevelopment for a project that will be called uh, the Cosmos. And they're all 
interrelated with one another because certainly uh, the lease terms and lease rate that the city pays MG&E will impact uh, the parking utilities operating model for the structure as well um, uh, the lease rate and the terms that Gephardt Development is able to pay uh, for their tenants to locate in that structure. The size of the structure is very much targeted towards the size of the development that's, that's ultimately completed. Our goal would be by the time, um, as Sabrina indicated, uh, there'll be a second resolution that'll come before the council uh, likely um, in late March, early April timeframe that would be to actually execute a contract with this firm to, to do the architecture and engineering work. Our goal would be at the time that you receive that resolution that we can lay out for you uh, sort of the, the architecture of this entire arrangement. So uh, what is what are the terms of, of the development agreement with Auto Gap Park? What are his terms with the parking utility? What is the city's terms with Madison Gas and Electric? And then how they relate with one another. Mm -hmm. So in the, the months that, that this RFP is on the street, we're all going to continue to work with Madison Gas and Electric and with the Gephardt Development Team. And when I say we, it's a, it's a big city staff team involving the city attorney's office and the finance department and, and the planning division and economic development division to pull this all together. At the same time, as you indicated, uh, there's also the, the, the TIT amendment. Uh, where we'll be amending both the TIT 36 project plan and uh, boundary agreement. Uh, we need to do that anyway uh, for um, a project that appears later on the agenda, so that'll be moving forward one way or the other, uh, but uh, certainly it'll take into account this project as well. So, yeah, I, I, and I realize probably Alderperson Rommel knows all this better than we do since it's in the 6th Aldermanic District, but could you, you gave us some of the timeline over the next couple months, mm -hmm. could you take us out further, like to the light at the end of the tunnel, so to speak, and what your tentative hope is as to when you might be in the ground, uh, among other things? Sure. Um, the, the light, if, if, if all goes well, uh, ideally this time next year, the parking structure will be under construction. And um, late this year, uh, Get Park Development will be under construction with, with his project. The, the parking utility takes structure takes less time to build than the development, so they don't have to occur at the same time. They can be slightly staggered. Okay. All right, thank you. I, the other questions I had, I think, were really covered quite comprehensively by TPC, so I don't want to be overly repetitive. And I'll yield, Mayor. Thank you. Further discussion or questions on the subject? Alderman Rummel. Thank you, Mayor. So um, there's a lot of conversation that's starting in the neighborhood listserv. So if Matt, could you sort of go even higher in the 30,000 feet level and talk about why this philosophical shift, if you will, to have a parking structure where it looks like the majority of the daytime users will be under a lease arrangement instead of like random who shows up? Mm -hmm. And maybe um, Bill and both of and Sabrina can also add to that because it is somewhat different and sort of how did we get to this place? Sure. Um, so I think an important item to note is that historically, uh, to the best of my knowledge, and admittedly <laughs> the last time the city built a parking structure was before any of us were 
with the city, but, but we've, we've used bonding authority in the past. In this case, we're going to be using TIF, um, and, and that was made available to us under uh, a recent change made to the state statute. The city's already been using uh, TIF assistance to assist with the construction of the parking to serve the Constellation Project and the Galaxy Project, which are private projects. And so you know, we underwrite the TIF project as we've done before and as, as you'll be talking about later this evening. The thought here was we recognize that there's a growing need to have uh, public parking in the Cap Capital East District, especially on evenings and weekends, to serve all of the, the various amenities and functions that are happening in that district. So you have Bree Stevens Field and you have Central Park. You have many of the um, uh, dining establishments and other retailers in the area. And so the, the thought process was rather than uh, treat this project as we've treated other projects in the Capital East District where we provide TIF for private parking that's then privately owned and operated, that here was an opportunity to serve the development's parking needs during the day by leasing the majority of the spaces to the tenants of the 800 South Block project during the day, but then to have a public parking ramp for evening and weekend usage where the parking utility would charge hourly rates just as they charge uh, downtown and uh, where we would provide an opportunity then for people to have a place to park if they're going to events at Central Park or events at Breeze Stevens. So it, it gives us that, that public usage opportunity in the evening that we don't necessarily have with private facilities. Thank you. Further questions or discussion? Seeing none, I have a question of adoption. All those in favor, aye. Aye. Opposed, no. Motion carries. This next item, uh, authorizing a lease of 30 West Mifflin, and item 10, a uh, lease of 1.6 South Hamilton. We have a motion to adopt both of them together. If we need separation, we can ask for it. But please, thank you. Sure. I'd like to move item 9 and 10. Is there a second? There is. Discussion? Got a short presentation on. Mm -hmm. Background to this. So you would like me to give a background on the leases and how we um, pick these locations and the terms we negotiated? Is that what you're Please. looking for? So basically, um, real estate worked in connection with facilities to determine the appropriate square footage to house the roughly 200 employees here at MMB. And um, we had an extensive search, and we came up with you know only one location where we could put everyone together, but um, a majority of the options came down to um, splitting them apart. We tried to keep the locations close to the CCB for meetings and so forth. And obviously 126 South um, Hamilton, um, which was previously occupied by the library, was a strong contender because we knew that building. It was previously hardwired for IT and so forth. So that is how we pick that. Building, um, we, you know, I negotiated the rate based off of, you know, looking at market and where the lease with library left off and where, you know, they 
what they were asking. And we've got a pretty compelling rate here. Um, for the space above the floors, we were at 1674 gross. That's where we ended up. And below, there's a, a lunch room and storage, and we only had to pay $3 for that. Um, and there's one parking space in that building. So we got a, um, a good rate in connection with that building and have minimal improvements. We get to use the cubicles that are in the building and need uh, minor improvements. And Brian, you may want to, anything to add to that building? No? Not, not yet. Not yet. With respect to 30 West Mifflin, uh, once again, we know this building fairly well because Madison Fire Department just left two floors therein, and um, we have a good relationship with EMI. And um, so it was a, a good contender in that respect, and they were able to give us an additional floor and a portion of a floor to fit our needs. Um, the rate here, once again, for a full gross deal at 1754 a foot plus 30 free parking stalls that they will pay for our, the users in that building um, while we're away from MMB at the city ramp as they did with the fire department. So it's very similar terms to that lease. Um, there's furniture that Madison Fire Department left behind and we're going to use some of that in addition to Brian and I met with the state last week and we're going to relocate some um, furniture that it's not using, relocating, and so it's going to work out very well for us. Two so questions. That, Have we decided which agencies go into which building? <coughs> Rough draft, we're looking to put uh, building inspection and planning in 126 South Hamilton along with the office of the director uh, and then the remaining. So. Um, the portion of human resources that's in MMB, um, economic development, community development, housing, and traffic engineering and parking utility in 30 West Mifflin. But uh, we are probably going to be uh, putting an amendment through for uh, some space planning work with an architect uh, to try to finesse that. That was my initial rough draft look at the, at the, the uh, kind of the needs of the agencies and the, uh, the locations that we have in hand. Um, uh, the uh, parking that goes with 30 West Mifflin sounds like it's more than adequate to handle all the staff cars associated with those agencies. Uh, 126 South Hamilton with one space and all those building inspectors, what are we going to do there? Yeah, the, um, <clears throat> my understanding is the building inspectors um, or all, uh, I don't know if all, but probably all of them are required to provide their own vehicle and they get reimbursed for parking. What we've discussed so far is that they would um, use, um, I think even now, many of them use on-street parking because they get to the, to the building so early in the morning prior to really any of the other commuters from, that work in the city. So that may continue on after an hour. Or and they're so. gone. Uh, they usually... Uh, I think this is what I hear is to park by about 9 o'clock, so uh, they would give them an opportunity to park from that 7 to 9 time, 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. time frame. But we, uh, I think we should still look at some other options because that distance from 30 West Mifflin would be kind of far if they were to try to park in a, 
a city parking ramp. Uh, same with Government East. Uh, I guess they could use Government East, but um, it remains to be seen with you know the develop, uh, potential development in that area uh, that might go offline as well. So uh, we'll also look at still maintaining uh, once the, the construction commences at MMB. Uh, we're going to work uh, to still try to parcel out a portion of the site uh, for some parking. But we got to you know maintain safety because the contractor kind of has to use that same space as well. So, so I have to look at a few other options for additional parking needs as well. And, Brian, didn't you also look at the Dane County ramp? Yeah, we looked at the Dane County. I mean, initially they're suggesting that they don't have any parking, but I think as, you know, as we get into this, hopefully we can kind of get the, you know, the specifics out of, out of that, and maybe, maybe there are some opportunities there as well. And... When will the lease begin? November. November 1st. Of 2016 and, and ends? We have 24 month, months with um, some options to extend. And we can phase out um, during any of the extension options um, if we bring, you know, bring people back into MMB at different time frames. So. Okay, I have one final question I want to just cover. Uh, what about meeting space at both locations? Will that be sufficient for the various agencies? It's it's not very good. I mean, it's not it's not great. For um, we look, we're looking at the tenth floor. Uh, it kind of depends on a couple of things, but we're looking at the tenth floor of uh, of 30 West Mifflin. It, it seems like it would have enough. It kind of depends on how the layout goes, but it would have a good amount of meeting space. Um, but it's it's not as good as uh, the current Madison Municipal Building uh, offers at this time. We also looked at potentially utilizing um, the Overture and maybe the Senior Center meeting space. Uh, for after-hours meetings, we're, mm -hmm. we're hoping that we could use Central Library, and the Central Library. Uh, Senior Center, and potentially even Overture. Where will Board of Estimates be? That's a good question. Don't know the answer yet. So most of the committees that presently use this build, this room, uh, that's still unresolved, correct? Correct, yeah. Further questions on the matter? Thanks for asking all my questions, Mr. Mayor. Sorry. <laughs> okay. Thank you. Okay. Uh, sorry about that. That's good. To totally fine. <laughs> kind of knew where this on the question of adoption of 910, further discussion? Seeing none, all in favor, aye. Aye. Opposed, no. Motion carries. Item 11, the second substitute, authoring Mayor and Clerk, entering agreement with RNL Design. On the Goose Trail Fleet. So motion? Move item 11. Is there a motion? There is a motion. Is there a second? <coughs> there is. Questions, discussion? Uh, this is you want to just give us a brief summary to introduce the subject? Yes, <clears throat> my name is Jim Whitney. I'm with Facilities, and we're asking for your approval tonight for us to go ahead and hire RNL Design. Um, they are the firm that worked on the master plan study for us for the Nakusa Trail Fleet Fire Radio Shop project, and also the master plan study included also the Metro Bus Barn at Nakusa Trail as well. And so we had gone through, um, we originally submitted the 
resolution to hire RNL just for the fire maintenance building project. And uh, during the budget amendment, the fleet and radio shop were added to the project. So we've come back with these uh, substitutes that would include the fleet and radio shop into the overall design for RNL Design Company to go ahead and do that project for us. There's been some question as to whether or not there's room for other city agencies. Are we at maximum capacity with the agencies described? Yes. Yes. Further questions on item 11? Being none, all those in favor of adoption, aye. 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 Opposed, no. Motion carries. Thank you. Thank you. Item 13, approving the Worker Cooperative Fund Program Guidelines and Request for Proposal Release. Is there a motion? Move item 13. Second. There's a second. There is. Bruce and Matt, are you getting the idea here? Are we getting the idea here? Yeah. If you want to give us a brief outline. Oh, yeah. If you want just a brief history. Okay. So, um... Well, okay, so last year in the budget, you guys approved um, the worker cooperative program, which is a five-year uh, project to help create more worker co-ops in the city of Madison, um, and that came with a budget authorization of $600,000 a year for five years. Um, this is the request for proposal. So um, we um, are looking to have an outside community partner or partners that would help us manage both the technical assistance piece and the um, loan fund. Um, and so this is a request for proposal for those groups to apply to receive funding from us to do this work in partner in very strong partnership with our office. Um, we had planned to go to the Economic Development Committee, and unfortunately that committee um, didn't meet in December and didn't meet in January. And at this point, um, waiting to appear in front of them, we feel like would push um, this project too far out into the year because we really want to get funds moving this year in this, on this project. Um, what they would have done is reviewed this request for proposal and given some feedback on it. Um, I did send out to the Economic Development Committee um, and the draft um, and sort of saying that they can come and appear here to give comment as citizens, not as members of the Economic Development Committee, um, if any of them had strong thoughts on the language and the RFP. Um, what we would do then is release the RFP and um, have a staff team make a recommendation after reviewing all the proposals that we receive, which would go back to you for approval. So you guys would have the final approval of who the vendor or vendors were who were chosen. Discussion? Seeing none? Great job, obviously. Oh. Wow. Thank you very much. All, <laughs> those in, all those in favor, aye. Aye. Opposed, no. Motion carries. Thank I you, guys. Thank you. Authorizing the release of the mortgage on Unit 6 of the University Square 
condominium and ratifying prior action. Is there a motion? To move item 14, please. There's a second. There is. Sir, can you share, share to share with us what this is about? Yes. So Not this something we usually see on the agenda. No. Uh, so this goes back to 2008 on a TIF loan for University Square, uh, which I believe is also called the Lucky Building, 777 University. So we did a $3 million TIF loan uh, for that project. At the time, we encumbered uh, the entirety, which was two units, two condo units, uh, one and two. That was since subdivided. Unit two became units two, six, and seven. In the TIF loan agreement back then, we still had equity participation payments, and we had a specific provision in there that allowed a portion of the property to be sold or transferred to uh, another affiliate entity controlled by Greg Rice, who owns that project, who's the developer, um, without paying an equity participation payment. But any other transfer uh, would uh, kick in the equity participation, which would be a $3 million payment, so basically paying back the entire loan. Um, the only issue with the transfer even to a Greg Rice-controlled entity was that it did have to be approved by council. So Unit 6 ended up being transferred to a new entity <coughs> called University Square 2 LLC, um, which was the Greg Rice entity. Unit 7 was sold for $200,000, uh, or I'm sorry, it was sold, and the city released it for $200,000, um, but that apportionment of the equity participation uh, was never approved, as far as I can tell, by council. So we had a couple things that happened here. One was the apportionment, and two, we didn't have uh, council approval for these transfers. Um, back to Unit 6 for a second, what we did do is enter into an assignment and assumption of the TIF loan uh, and agreed to release that for $190,000 if and when that was sold. Again, I can't find any evidence that we got a resolution to have that done. Now, it's probably something we would have agreed to anyway. This is, uh, I think that's, it was probably done reasonably uh, as far as the terms go, but uh, it is based on the square footage uh, and apportioned, uh, like I say, based on the square footage as compared to the whole of the area that we had encumbered. But uh, we didn't have the authority at the time to do that. So now... Unit 6 is being sold to uh, UW, and they want to uh, follow the terms that we had entered in this assignment and assumption agreement. So I'm here to ask that we release it for the agreed-to price of $190,000. Thank you. Thank you for the history, Kevin. And I hope that made sense. At the outset... <laughs> Yeah, pretty much, I guess. It made sense as to the TIF deal with Executive Management Inc. and the races. And, but then my first question is, where did things fall apart? Why didn't we ever give? Were we, is there any evidence in the file that Ann Zellhofer was ever contacted by EMI or that you were or the TIF coordinator or anybody? Yeah, this was a deal that was done by the city attorney's office. Well, no, the deal, I'm talking about when they went ahead and sold to the next entity. Yes. 
Oh, so we were. We were, we were fully aware of what happened. Oh, okay. I thought this was all after the fact. We had This was after the TIF loan. So this the transfers started occurring in 2014. The original TIF loan was in 2008, but we were all fully aware of uh, the transactions that were taking place. So why do you believe that the council was never asked to consent? Unfortunately, I have no idea. Now, it's possible... <laughs> that if we followed just the equity participation paragraph in the original TIF loan, um, aside from the apportionment of the loan, it wouldn't be sort of totally outlandish. The problem was at the very end of the TIF loan agreement is where we put in that it needed council approval for the transfer. So it's sort of, it, if you fail to realize that there was that last paragraph in there, just follow the equity, equity participation paragraph. Uh, you just would have missed it, at least on uh, getting approval for the transfer. I still think that the apportionment should have been approved as well uh, because it was more or less an amendment to the TIF loan itself. But it, it would have been a little bit more understandable than uh, what ended up happening with that last paragraph. Mm -hmm. Did you want to add something? I would only add that sometimes these agreements are drafted where we don't have to come back to council for all these approvals. This one clearly required it, and for whatever reason, we did not. So that's why we're asking for the ratification of what we've done in the past and approval to go ahead with this latest um, receipt of money and, and releasing that unit. Thank you, Matt. So my next question is, where does the $190,000 come from? Was that Maybe it's clearly in, say, in the resolution and I missed it. Is that formulaic in the in the TIF agreement, or is that something that you negotiated? It was not formulated in the TIF agreement. What happened was that was the square footage of um, unit, well, in the past it was unit 7, and this one is unit 6. That's the apportionment based on square footage of the entire encumbered property. So when we do a ratio of uh, square footage of unit 6 versus the entirety um, and then use that ratio on $3 million, we ended up with this $190,000. Okay. So there was nothing to negotiate with executive management. That, you know, that's clear from the where that, that $190,000 was set by. It was, it, it was negotiated in that uh, we came to an agreement, I guess, but it was done, and I think, what was a reasonable fashion. It's just that the TIF loan required that if any sale occurred, it would have, and had not been approved by council or whatever, it would have been a full $3 million payment. So apportioning it was essentially an amendment to the TIF loan. Mm -hmm. And then the $200,000, the sale price that's mentioned here. That was on Unit 7, yes. That's the same formula. And so... The city is not receiving that money, or is the city has already received the two hundred thousand dollars. When was that? Two thousand fourteen. Did that just go into the general fund? I don't remember seeing that in the budget. Went into uh, the general fund. Okay. And then this, too, as the fiscal note states, would be designated for, just for the general fund. Right. It was budgeted and, to be received in twenty fifteen. We obviously did not receive it. It'll now be received in twenty sixteen. Did the budget, did our adopted budget assume that since we didn't receive it in 15? Or no. were we thinking that we would receive it at the end of 15? 
we weren't sure when we were going to receive it. We budgeted it in 2015, and then it took us a while to track it down <laughs> where it was coming from. And then uh, once we did, then uh, we identified that this transaction would take place, and the transaction won't take place until 2016. So it's not budgeted to be received as a revenue in 16, but it will be received in 16 as a general fund revenue. Okay. So in essence, we're holding up the closing with the state for the space. Yes. Uh, this has to be accomplished prior to that. They you know, want to closing close in a couple of weeks, yeah. In a couple of weeks. Uh, the week of February 10th. Mm -hmm. Does anyone, I guess this will be more for you, Dave, Do we have you, anyone um, penciled out perhaps what the loss in property tax revenue might be with the admissions office now being a UW property that they currently are leasing? No, we no, not. The There's no pilot tech. provision back then in the TIF loan either. Just that we just we didn't have that back then. Yeah, I mean it's. Well, you already mentioned how large it is, but it's decent size. Okay, thank you, thank you. Older woman, Rommel. So does this resolution then complete all the? potential activity that's left in the TIF that we might have with the LLC and the race, race or whoever? No, I, we would still have mortgages on Unit 1 and the remainder of Unit 2. And I guess I'm just trying to get my head around what that might mean. So just that just is fine until they want to change something or time goes by or what? Well, the, the terms of the TIF loan are still out there. It's still in force. Um, and remember, we still have a guarantee on the tax increment that's going to be generated. Um, and the city really isn't losing a lot in the way of protection. It was um, the issue here really is process. Thank you. Almost there. Thank you. I just want to make sure I understand. So the $3 million equity participation payment would be triggered if the entirety of Unit 1 and the former Unit 2 were sold? It should have been triggered if any portion had been sold. Okay. Unless it was transferred to a Greg Rice-controlled entity and that had been approved and the transfer had been approved by council. Okay. So we got the first part, just not the second part. Right. Okay. Got it. And so the $190,000 is the, is the portion corresponding to the amount of property that's actually being Correct. transferred. And so, um, and I want to understand what you just said about the, the, the TIF guarantee. So that's still in place on the remaining portions of the property, right? I mean, it doesn't apply to the portion that's going to become no, tax exempt. The, the right? guarantee is still set at $3 million. But they, then, are staring, they have guaranteed the tax, the full tax increment. But that's still on the original developer. Yes. But obviously, UW is not assuming any of that. No. Okay. And so there's the there's still the issue of the, the future property taxes that will now never be collected on the portion that's going to become tax exempt. And so the rest of the property needs to essentially cover that increment or developer needs to, mm -hmm. to make good on that. Right. Okay. Um, I think I got it. Thank you. Further questions or discussion? 
Seeing none on the motion, which is to adopt item 14. All those in favor, aye. Aye. Opposed, no. Motion carries. <coughs> item 15, TIF staff quarterly update on current and pending TIF projects. Can I have a motion to receive the report? Motion to receive the report. Second. Thank you. <laughs> Past TIF project you want to report on too? <laughs> Which one? <laughs> Oh, you mean the last one? Yeah. Mm. I have a statute of limitations on my memory. <laughs> okay, um, this is the report for the fourth quarter of 2015, uh, as required by TIF policy, um, which was adopted in 2014, I believe. Um, that requires staff every quarter or so uh, to come forward with, with uh, status on existing projects, projects that would be going forward in the next year, uh, anything pending, as well as conditions in the current TIF districts as far as how they're performing. Um, some of this format has already been covered with you. I guess I'm going to try to just stay on the status paragraphs, unless you have questions, um, trying to you know, jog your memory on those projects. Uh, the Anchor Bank project, as you will recall, uh, was the first of those last year um, for um, where we provided, uh, the city agreed to provide a $13.3 million TIF loan um, to facilitate a $98 million project, which is, as you can tell, uh, is well underway. Um, the dust is flying all over the place. Um, so that project is well underway. Um, you'll note one of the... Um, contingencies in this particular transaction was the certification of TIF District 45, uh, which at the time of this being drafted, we hadn't received, but as of last week, we did receive. So the district is fully certified, um, and we're moving forward with the rest of the transaction. Um, I can certainly take questions on that project, or I can just go along and take them at the end, whichever is your preference. Um, AT&T building um, at 316 West Washington um, was a um, proposed redevelopment um, of the existing AT&T building, 141,000 square feet, total estimated cost of 20 million, $29 million. We provided a $2 million um, TIF loan to assist the project back in 2015. Um, again, uh, it was also contingent on the certification of TIF District 45, which has occurred, and the project is underway. In fact, as of last week, I think it was noted in the paper that it was almost completed, so that's well underway. TIF 37, uh, Union Corners, uh, we did reach agreement last year, uh, late in the year, uh, with Gorman uh, to provide $5 million of the $6 million of uh, Union Corners property that uh, the land banking program had purchased. Uh, we provided that to uh, Gorman for a dollar. Again, that project is also underway. Um, the city retains um, uh, phases five and six of that property, uh, of which Gorman has an option to uh, purchase those other phases in future. Um, Galaxy Project, Galaxy Phase 1, um, which was a $43.7 million project, um, 
39,000 square feet of commercial, 205 market rate apartments, 55,000 square foot grocery, 501 structured parking stalls. Uh, we provided a $4.4 million TIF loan, it represented 60% of the TIF, um, and that project is almost completed. Um, at, shortly thereafter, we had a request for Galaxy Phase 2 to finish the project, which this body uh, looked at sometime before the holidays. Um, and approved a $1.4 million loan um, comprising 70% of TIF to complete that phase um, uh, for mostly parking, commercial, and, um, and uh, some retail. Uh, going into the pending or potential requests for 2016 on page 2, uh, this evening we'll be looking at an exception uh, to TIF policy um, for Madison Dairy uh, for a $3.4 million uh, TIF loan request, uh, which would be coming forth sometime uh, after this evening's meeting, uh, which would be introduced as a resolution. Um, that particular project, uh, without going into great detail, which you'll get in a minute, um, is uh, 60, 60, actually should be 66% of the TIF. There's a typo there, um, which would require an exception to the 55% rule or gateway policy. Um, this project is contingent, as Matt had pointed out earlier in one of his reports, upon an amendment to the project plan and boundary for TIF District 36, uh, which staff anticipates they'd be introducing in the first quarter, yet the first quarter of this year. Royster Commons um, is a project we had to uh, create. TIF 44 was created last year, uh, or I'm sorry, 2013, for the purpose of redeveloping the Royster the Royster Clark fertilizer plant. Um, we've provided um, $400,000 of TIF loan assistance to Stonehouse to develop the Dempsey Lane apartments thus far. Uh, we currently have a TIF request for approximately $2.1 million of TIF uh, to construct 17,000 square feet of office, 20,000 square feet for the Penny Library Branch, 86 market rate apartments, and 200 surface parking stalls with 97 below grade stalls underneath one of the buildings. Um, we're still in discussions with that particular developer. The, the Cosmos uh, project, as Matt mentioned before, um, thus far a uh, proposal we've received last summer was suggesting a $13 million, 16, 650 stall city-owned parking structure funded in whole or in part with TIF, um, supported by the tax increment generated by the Cosmos project. Um, as per currently that's, that constitutes about 200,000 square feet of office, including a proposed 50,000 square foot starting block incubator space um, constructed by American Family, 100,000, 104,000 square feet of office constructed by, actually that, that shouldn't be in there. Um, Gephardt, um, that's actually included in the 200, Matt. I don't think we have 300 square feet. Of no, it's just that, that second, yeah, it's 200,000. That second 104,000 square feet should be omitted. That's not, it's actually a total of 200,000 feet. 104,000 of the 200,000 feet is constructed by Gephardt. The other balance of that amount is constructed by American Family. Um, and a proposed uh, 35,000 square foot entertainment venue, um, 12,000 square feet of retail, 6,000 square feet of a c culinary center, 
Um, it's all by um, uh, Gephardt Development. We're currently evaluating our TIF feasibility for this particular project, including values throughout the district, how much could be supportable in terms of paying for a, a, a uh, parking ramp uh, for this particular facility. Other items to be considered are also guarantees uh, and whether or not uh, sufficient increment can be covered uh, to recover the cost of, of parking. Um, let's see, TID 25, Judge Doyle Square, as you all well know, we have some proposals. Uh, we'll be working on those, and, and the negotiating team will be um, coming back to you with um, their analysis of those of those particular proposals. As far as TIF administration, um, nothing has really changed since the July report. These numbers are the same that we reported back then. Um, the Department of Revenue issues a report of, of what the uh, incremental values are for each of the districts. Um, as you'll see, the ones that we flagged at that time are the same, TID 38 on South Madison. Uh, minus 9%, um, that's the South Park Street area. Um, that's 9% below its base. That means the district is upside down in terms of value. Tip 39, which is Southeast Industrial Area, that's around uh, Femrite and um, uh, Marsh Road and that sort of thing. Um, that particular district is slightly under under upside down by about 1%. We anticipate that should probably write itself where no uh, action would be required. Then TIT 40, which is the area on the north side, which encompasses Oscar Meyer and other properties in that area, has been um, historically uh, negative at least 10 to 11 percent since the day of its inception. Um, so those haven't really changed. Um, thus far, we have done a donor donee. The council has adopted a donor donee program for between TIF district, uh, TIF district 35, which donates about... Um, $500,000 a year for five years that should reduce the TID 38 indebtedness by about um, uh, $2.5 million. So that should cut that indebtedness about in half. Um, and that's we're hoping that over that five-year period that the district should write itself and be able to generate some positive increment. Uh, TID 40, um, we haven't come up with a definitive plan yet. It's in the work plan uh, as far as how we want to deal with that. The idea is just to take a one-time donation from one of the districts like TID 42 or TID 43 um, perhaps and close that district. It's only got about $400,000 worth of uh, cost in it, so we'll just close it and then consider a different district um, um, down the road. As far as uh, TID 33, we also uh, adopted a um, affordable housing extension, which is allowable under law, uh, where we extended the district one year uh, so that we'll be collecting, I believe, this year's increment um, for um, to, to provide or, uh, uh, funds for affordable housing for the, the Affordable Housing Initiative Fund. Um, the district will close this year after it collects that increment. So that district's been open for a, a little bit. Uh, speculative or industrial TIDs, uh, we had talked about creating a University Research Park 1 TID, which we've done. That was adopted and certified by the state already So this year. So those are all in place. Um, we are looking at uh, a TIF 32 half-mile rule, which would extend 32 by, uh, which has actually been adopted recently, um, to use approximately 50,000. 
um, around 50000 of TIF funds to pay for some undergrounding uh, of utilities for the 433 to 37 West Mifflin Street project. It's an affordable housing project being developed by Madison Development Corporation. So we're going to basically provide infrastructure funds for that particular project uh, to facilitate it. Uh, TIF 36 boundary and plan amendment, as I mentioned before, that's underway. TIF 27 project plan amendment as a result of um, interest in creating a, um, well, there's two things going on there, actually. Uh, there's some ex- additional expenditures that are anticipated, one of which is for um, property that we purchased a while back, uh, which bought the district slightly over budget. Um, so we're going to rectify that. In addition to that, we have to um, budget some funds for uh, development of a community center in that area, which there's some interest in. And um, and then uh, there will be a plan to, once the district nears its completion, uh, we will extend that district one year to collect increment for the Affordable Housing Initiative Fund. So there's a number of things going on with that particular district. Uh, TID 37 half-mile rule, that has been introduced uh, to pay for approximately 400000 of utility undergrounding. Again, in this particular project, because of the setback requirements, the site was unbuildable. So by undergrounding utilities, it made it a larger site. Uh, we were able to facilitate that to develop 30 uh, units of market um, rental housing at 2087 Atwood. Uh, so that's an infrastructure cost, which would require a half-mile mo- half rule adoption, which is underway. Um, we also have a potential new TID at Silicon Prairie, Mineral Point, and South Point Roads. Uh, that's been talked about on and off for a number of years, uh, so we'll be considering that this year also. Um, I believe that concludes the topics in the report, and we're certainly available to answer any questions. There's a typo on page one. <clears throat> number four and number five are in TID 36, not TID 37. Oh, geez. Yeah, you're right. Let me give the money back. Let <laughs> me give the money back. Want to keep them? I don't know. No. Got it. Thank you. I have a question, Joe, about the TID 32 half-mile rule, mm-hmm. the update that you provided. So can you confirm, so the, the TIF Joint Review Board at their last meeting on last Thursday, they took final action on yes. Mifflin Street? I thought they only took final action on the retail well, half-grant program. Oh, that is the, yeah, that was retail. I'm sorry. That would be coming through. Okay. Yeah, you really we're piggybacking it. We've right. got so many of these half-mile rules. That's right. We do have a TID 32 for that. That'll be coming forward. Okay. So this is really for what you have written here for TID 32 is in the future. Right. That's right. And so I don't know if either one of you want to report on what the TID review board actually did Thursday was for the retail grant program. Yeah, they created the – you want to do that one? Sure. Um, so – as you know, we've been working on developing a State Street retail grant program, and uh, the council had already approved the program guidelines, and then they were submitted to the Joint Review Board for approval. And last week, Thursday, the Joint Review Board did approve that program. So uh, that program, as of today, is officially underway, and we're certainly accepting applications for the State Street retail grant program. So today was the first official day? Will we be having a 
press release issued? Yes, yes. Uh, Ruth has been uh, working uh, with the mayor's office in the bid at pulling together a press release. That would be great because I know there's anticipation. And, and there's already been individuals contacting Ruth. Yes, I know there have been. <laughs> and myself. So uh, I'm very risk of being even more parochial here. Let me say that if you, we could have an offline conversation about the MDC request because I, I would like it to at least be from an intersection as opposed to just one pole in front of one building kind of thing, if you follow me. So Christy Bachman is involved in this yeah, engineering. I, and yeah. and uh, So I realize that your report said one thing, but correct me if I'm wrong, the planning department hasn't really taken action. We actually received an email from Frank Staniszewski a few hours ago with his latest estimate from Charter and MG&E. Right. I, I've seen a number of, there's been some email traffic between engineering and Frank on what the costs are going to be. So far it hasn't broken 50000 So our idea is that it probably, that's a good budget number to put in there. It doesn't really, the district is doing well enough at whatever number we land at, we can run a resolution through for that. So moment. I guess, again, I don't want to take up everyone's time talking about this very parochial issue here, but if you, we could all just have a conversation before you sure. move forward on mm -hmm. on anything. Thank you. Can you remind us uh, what, uh, more about the donor tids? You mentioned 35, 42, or 43, where they are and kind of... Okay, 35 is the uh, district that includes Arbor Gate on the Beltline. Uh, 42, I believe, is the district with, um, that's with uh, University, uh, what is it called? Crossing. University Crossing, thank you, because I say University Square. Um, University Crossing, and that's doing quite well. So for 400000 we could probably, you know, spare that for a year, just one year, and close it. We'll talk. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'm going to be offline on that discussion. <laughs> and 43? Uh, 43 would be, actually 43 would be, I wouldn't, it should, it should have said 41. 43 is uh, the district that just opened that has the, ha um, that has the housing program on Park and Regent Drake, uh, Park Drake. That's 43, so that wouldn't be that one. 41 would be Wingra. That's the one I would. Also, look. I probably would. I, I think the 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 most preferable of those of that group would be 42. It's just doing well enough. So. Further questions or discussion? Seeing none. Thank you very much. Is there a motion? Uh, is there come to a vote on receiving the report? All those in favor? Aye. 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 Opposed? No. Motion carries. We are now at. This is for 16. 16. Closed session, or can we start an open? We can stay open. Excuse me. Okay, so let's start out with a motion on 16. Let's move item 16. Second. Second, 16. Joe? Thank you. Um, this is a, as required by policy, uh, whenever we have a TIF. Um, policy exception. Um, in this case, there's only one. Uh, we come before this body uh, with some facts um, that the developer has proposed in the application for you to evaluate um, the um, feasibility of, of providing that exception. 
In this case, uh, the request is for the Stonehouse Project, um, which colloquially we call the uh, Madison Dairy, the Madison Dairy site on East Wa- 1,000 block of East Washington Avenue. Um, the project would entail 140 market rate units, 65 affordable apartments, approximately 61,000 square feet of office, approximately 18,000 square feet of retail, and 412 uh, structured parking stalls. The affordable housing portion of this project was also awarded a million dollars in affordable um, housing initiative funds last year. You may recall that project coming through. Um, In early 2016, staff will also introduce an amendment to the project plan and boundary for TIF 36, as I mentioned earlier, uh, that would include this project expenditure. Um, At any rate, if the decision of this council, there will be another resolution coming before you. So you're not really deciding on the loan tonight. You're deciding on whether or not it is necessary and appropriate to provide an exception. So just so, so I may be very clear on that. Um, so what I'll be presenting tonight is just the basic facts that are required per TIF policy. The policy stipulates what things staff provides to you in making your decision. The developer, each time they fill out an application, you'll see at the end here, there is a, the developer has to make a case in the application as to why they merit that exception, whatever that exception is. There may be more than one. In this case, there's only one. So the developer here under Exhibit A, that's the developer's language. Now, right before that, you'll see a number of questions, and we've left, there's no answers to them because those are the questions you as a body deliberate. Um, to um, make a uh, decision as to whether it's, it's necessary and appropriate to go with with the uh, exception to policy. So uh, I will go over the facts of the of the application, answer any questions, and then um, you can review the the, the developer's uh, facts and that and ask any questions. So the developer, uh, Rich Arneson, is here this evening. He can answer any questions you may have. Um, and then you can um, go into deliberation. Uh, the first is that uh, this particular project, um, the amount requested by a developer is about $3.45 million. That's actually come through uh, analysis. We've completed our analysis and negotiation with the developer. That number constitutes 66% of the TIF. And that's the reason we're here this evening, because of the 55 gateway, 55% gateway, uh, this particular project would exceed that number. Uh, the pro- type of project is a redevelopment project. We've used gap analysis, which has been completed as the method. Um, as required by policy, we, it is required, it is applying for affordable housing tax credits for the 65 affordable units, um, a request of $6.1 million roughly. Um, that will be made this year uh, in, well, in a couple of days, actually. They'll be putting their application forward. Policy requires that we provide you with what their self-score is. The self-score, WIDA provides a a scoring of of tax credits. They're scoring without WIDA's input. They're at 283. The maximum they could get if WIDA puts their input, they add points to it, it would be 328. So it's a pretty strong application. As um, I'm not an expert on such things, but that's a pretty good score. 
Um, estimated assessed value and tax increments, uh, the project is estimated at $34 million, 34 million, 34.2 million. The total estimated tax increments generated over the remaining life of the TID would be 10 million and 31,000. The average annual tax increment is roughly around 780,000 a year. Um, supportable TIF, in other words, if we gave, provided every dollar to of increment generated by the project, how much would that be? That would be about 5.1, almost 5.2 million dollars. Um, the estimated recovery, based on a more finite or detailed analysis of this, is about eight years. Uh, so we should recover the three, uh, the 3.45 million dollars in about eight years. Um, the TIDS condition uh, currently, and I've said this a number of times even in my report this evening, TID 36 um, utilized the last the remaining $1.5 million of its authorization um, under the project plan. So a, a project plan and boundary amendment would be required. This project resides just outside of the current TID 36 boundary. So that's one of the contingencies that you'll be considering in a forthcoming resolution for funding. Um, the, T, the TID overall, just the district itself, has been meeting financial obligations historically, but there is an heck of a lot left over at the end of the day. So there's no big um, cushion there uh, should there be any uh, shortfalls. Um, let's see what are the issues. The district was created in 2005. It has currently about 16 years left of life. Um, Average annual increment of the entire district is about 1.6 million, and it has about 11 million of un unrecovered costs. That's the costs that are still in existence. Uh, we estimate, and again, these are very rough estimates because we don't know what the mill's going to do over time, but we're guessing that this is going to be around a full cost recovery in around 10 years. By adding the project, it might add another year or so to that. So as you can see, as long as our cost recovery falls beneath the years to recover cost, you know, we have 16 years to recover, as long as our number is falling below that, we're in pretty good shape. Um, TIF loan underwriting compliance, um, the, the, again, the, the project is 66, per, the, the request is 60% of the, 66% of the TIF, the developer is providing $9.4 million of equity, which includes the tax credits and private equity. And that meets our policy that equity must equal or exceed the amount of TIF that's being requested. So they meet that criteria. Um, obviously, our, our, the amount to be requ um, uh, requested, we're, we're re re recommending or requesting that the TIF existence, assistance not exceed $3.45 million. Um, and the, the amount for consideration would be, again, 66% of the, the TIF. Um, if you turn to the section that I mentioned before, Exhibit A, that's the section where you can walk through. I can walk through that with you, or you can just read it at your leisure as far as what the project um, developer asserts that they're delivering and the reasons for uh, why this is a um, uh, necessary and appropriate amount. Further questions? Sure. Um, one of the first questions um, that we ask is, is it growing the tax base? Obviously, the, the property uh, has been an abandoned dairy building, um, falling into disrepair. Um, this development would add about 30 
million dollars. It's roughly about two million in value now. It's going to add about thirty to thirty to thirty-two million dollars of new value as a result. So, I, in our view, it it achieves that tax-based growth. Um, the second half of the site, phase two, uh, the developer goes into that. We're only considering phase one right now, so I, I can only, obviously, if you develop a phase one, a phase two becomes more possible. Um, so there will be value growth in a phase two at some point in, in the future. I, I can only guess what that would be at this point. Uh, so it does meet that standard. Um, fostering the creation and retention of family-supporting jobs. Um, there are no people at the dairy site right now. It's vacant. Um, the retail components of uh, developer search will create new jobs uh, for and, and for office tenants and that sort of thing. Um, and that's typical for a project that has commercial rental as part of its uh, as part of its components. Um, Section D, which is another one of the requirements, ur encouraging urban infill projects that increase density consistent with the city's comp plan. Um, obviously, there are going to be 11 floors of housing. That's a lot of density. Um, the developer is making a case for that in that particular case. Um, creating a range of housing types. We have a mix here between um, affordable and uh, market rate housing. So I believe that achieves that particular um, standard and then funding for public improvements um, developer asserts that this is a, a, includes a parking deck with 350 stalls um, some public parking would be available at the night I guess uh, promoting superior design um, the site lies in an urban di uh, urban design district number eight developer has presented uh, phase one to UDC for informational uh, they've actually gone further I believe this project's even gone as far as being approved for land use is that not right? it is approved for land use currently so those are the the aspects arguing why um, uh, it is necessary and appropriate to provide an exception to policy any questions, Alder Emil? So, if they don't get the WIDA allocation this year, does this mean we wait a year, project's dead, or do they just have more? What, is that part of your calculation here? I've asked that question. I believe that you can still continue the project and just wait a year. Yeah, we would actually, since it's too can you Can you come up? Come on up. Hi. Let's see. Let's see. The uh, affordable housing project is a, will be a completely separate construction contract, separate owner. Uh, we plan on starting the market rate and office tower as soon as possible this spring, potentially April, May. So that's going to that's going to happen either way, you know, pending our financing and including the TIF. But uh, the affordable, if we don't get the credits, um, we would likely uh, ask ask to go in again next year and, and take another stab at it. Um, and extend our our TIF commitments and other things. So then, am I hearing you or assuming correctly that the affordable housing piece is phase two? It's, it's not really phase two. It's just that be, the, the, um, because of the way those deals work, we can't really combine it into one large project. It has to be a separate owner, separate investors that buy the tax credits, separate financing, separate construction contracts. So the way we've designed the project, 
um, that does not need to be built. We can we can build them separately. I, I just I wouldn't necessarily call them two phases. I mean, one is just going to you know if, if things go well and we get our credits, one is going to start a few months after the other one. So, so they're, they're almost different, separate components to the same project. So when, when you were doing your like number crunching, yeah. that six million dollars as a source didn't really factor in, and you're coming up with this. Percentage. Oh, it's 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 included in the project. It's just a matter of when it comes into the project. I mean, the developer will take out a construction loan and put some equity into it, obviously, to close on that. TIF will factor into that. If they don't get the credits, what he's saying is that. By the time the cycle turns, I mean, it takes about 18 months to, you know, 24 months to build a project of that size, they'll be applying for additional credits in the next year. So then they would fill fill that gap um, in the interim. So if we approve this and then there was a delay because of WIDA, we'll put it all on WIDA, would, that, would it have to come back here for this particular piece that's built separately, or is it just... Already included in the approval. Well, we anticipate that there'll be two loan app. There'll be two authorizing resolutions coming before you. One will be for about three million dollars. The, the way it's structured right now, we're still kind of discussing that. Um, the other portion would be about four hundred thousand for the affordable. So, and it's that's roughly based on what the affordable project can support in increment. Because as as you recall. You know, a number of times I've said that affordable projects aren't worth as much in a value sense as market rate because the rents are higher in market rate. So with lower rents, there's lower value. So they support less TIF. So what we've done is sort of put together a formula where a feasible amount of TIF can be supported by the affordable housing project on its own. So there'll be two applications or two resolutions coming before you. So what was the first one you said? The second one was 400. What was first one was about three million, three million and fifty. And the second one is four hundred thousand. That's the way it's structured right now. It may change by a number here or there, but I know that Rich is here. Um, is the 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 ratio of your proposed affordable housing? You know, twenty five percent at thirty AMI, thirty percent at fifty, and forty five percent at sixty. Is that kind of standard boilerplate which you would often go to WIDA with, or is that particular to this project? No, it's pretty standard the way their program is now. The the twenty five percent to thirty percent is is for supportive housing. Um and, and uh that is a category in the South Korean exhibit and that is uh pretty much a requirement to do that to get enough points to score. So we're doing Nine units uh, in, in cooperation with the road home uh, for, for families at risk of being homeless. And then we're doing eight units of uh, housing for, for uh, veterans that need supportive services. So out of nine, eight would be for veterans specifically? Well, no, out of seven, there's 17. 17, 17 supportive housing units, which represents about 25% of the total affordable units total in that project. So nine of them would be for families at risk of being homeless, and those are three-bedroom townhouse units that have private um, entries on the first floor. And then we have an additional eight units that are targeted towards veterans that, that uh, need supportive services. Further questions? Alder Brevere? Thank you. So just to follow up some of Alder Rummel's questions about the phasing, Rich, or maybe even more to you, Joe, because of the process of where we're going. So this 
uh, yeah, maybe to you, Joe, to start out with, we're familiar with, and even in your your report tonight to us, as per TIF policy, you talked about Galaxy 1 and Galaxy 2, and we sat around this table and, and talked about the different phasings of Galaxy, and then there was that whole issue with the escrow and how they there was a draw on the money that, that Otto Gephardt's folks shouldn't have done. Uh, can you explain how that, the galaxy phasing is different from what what um, we might be seeing with this present project in Stonehouse. I mean, I, well, what we're just saying is if it's successful with the weed allocation, then then there really isn't different yeah, phasing. I, but in terms of how we see these resolutions, can you explain? I, the, I get, is I, it apples and oranges with galaxy? Yeah, I, I think it is because of staging. It's it's in order to get to that second phase of galaxy. Gephardt had to literally shift things around, move trucks. You have to set up for a new phase, and he couldn't just seamlessly flow into it. And one of the things Stonehouse can, if they're seeking with weed, they're building one structure, and there's components in the structure, but you have to build the one structure to get those components within it. So in the Gephardt part, you'll notice there are several, there's one, two, three, at least that I can count. The grocery, which is a separate component, and then they had the, you know, the op, the, the the tower for the the apartments, and then they have commercial, and there's all different. So when they were going into the next phase of the parking, they had to literally pull up stakes in phase one, move over into phase two, and start building a different project. So there was a time lag there, um, not for financing. They they came in right away at the end of the year. In terms of when the construction was undertaken, there was a gap in time between those two entities. In our negotiations with Gephardt, did did you negotiate phases one and two, Galaxy, yes. at the outset, or was yes, because he had he had a very long gap in between phases one and two. He had I can't, I can't off the top of my head, but I can tell you that he had about two years to build phase one, and then he had about a year gap where he was going to get into phase. And he was trying to say this is all one, and we said no. By the time you get completed with this, it's four years down the road. That might as well be phase two. So phase one is something you can complete within 18 to 24 months. That's how we see it. And anything you do after that, I mean, we have a similar situation with your phase two, with, with Rich's phase two for Madison Dairy, they have some residual land that's there. Again, as I mentioned in my early report, um, we, is anyone's guess what could happen on that site in phase two? We don't know yet. Rich doesn't know yet. He's, you know, the Stonehouse is working through that. So we're not going to size that other than what we know at a moment in time. Now with Gephardt, we only knew he was going to build that, co- that tower, the grocery, and the commercial, and the parking. And then when he was done with that, he came with a new proposal and quicker than we anticipated and said, all right, well, now I want to start this. And that's how that the discussion happened. So going back to the process, moving, assuming that we give our blessing in terms of vis-a-vis the 55% rule gateway, mm-hmm. tonight you would, the elder of the district, Elder Zellers, has agreed to sponsor not one, but two separate resolutions? Yeah, or one resolution that has two pieces in it. Either way, yeah. Yes. And just restating what you said, I think exactly, or maybe it's not exactly, but approximately $3 million is for the office. office and market rate and retail and the parking. 
most of the parking. And then the 400000 is for the 65 affordable units and about 50 stalls of parking. And that's that. And will we have a time limit in the resolution? Yes, we always do. We always do. We have that been negotiated? Uh, it's in the term sheet, and I believe we give them until 2017 or 18. I think it's 20, July of, I wonder if I have it in here. We're still negotiating the, the term sheet, but that hasn't been a bone of contention. Where is he? Do you remember? When do when do we have an expiration date on? What I was curious about, Kevin, is I don't know if you're listening to the kind of line of questioning, but I was just curious in the hopefully unlikely event that Stonehouse is unsuccessful in securing weed allocation mm. this year and that phase is delayed. Do they come back to the council, or or are we you asking us to? Excuse me, I'll and if Kevin's going to speak, then he should you come up. You need to come forward. Thank you. So I was just wondering if that's all been negotiated or not, especially since it's not affordable pieces we to defend. We're not done with the term. Sheet. Not done with the term. Oh, you're not done with the term. Uh, I think the start date has been the original was for uh, June 30th, 2016. I think the request was to move back the start date to December 31st, 2016. Um, so I mean, after that, you kind of have your. I, I think that's oh, the phase two. Well, I, I can one. maybe speak to that. I mean, so we just sent comments to Kevin, but I, so we did request an extension of the start date for both just to make them consistent, but mostly for the affordable because there's no way that the affordable housing project can start by July of 2016. I mean, if we get our credits in April, it still takes five or six months to start a project. So that was the kind of the request for that. And um I mean, from my standpoint, if we don't get credits, yeah, we're going to need to come back, explain things to you, and request. I mean, we'll still want to request the funds for that project, but we'll come back and, and say, here's what happened, and here's what, why we think we can get it again, and, and uh, we want you to extend the, term, the terms of the term sheet. At, at any rate, we wouldn't release those funds until the 400000 until and unless the uh, – Affordable housing was constructed, and of course, I was thinking of the little yeah. boo boo with yeah, which was with about four hundred thousand as coincidentally. Yeah, <laughs> yeah again, we number. see them as completely separate projects <laughs> with separate documents and financing and everything. We wouldn't be looking for the, that the funds allocated to the affordable housing project, not you know, for this for the mm. first other phase, the first phase or the yeah. first component. Yeah, it's a bit of detail, but we have a disbursement agreement with each project so that certain metrics have to be met in terms of completion before we release funds so that would be one particular that would be in there which will be tightening up by the way <laughs> yeah how does the timeline for Alder the TIF amendment work into all this stuff well initially we it, it appears as though the resolution will the resolution for funding the project will come in before the TID amendment resolution will appear. So what we do is provide a contingency that that the project has to be um, it's contingent. Our funding on this is contingent on usually the joint review board approving the TID amendment. Um, in some cases, if it's really high risk, we would make it contingent on the certification by the state. But um, I hate to brag, but we have a pretty good batting average with getting these things certified. So 
Uh, if it's a worthy enough project, we tend to say, okay, we'll do that, take that. And if the risk is minimal, which in this case, um, you know, it's, it's, it looks like a good potential to be approved as, a, as an amendment. Um, and then uh, what we would do is um, if there's, for instance, for whatever reason, if we do not get the certification by the, the state or it is not approved by the Joint Review Board, then the fallback is that, well, if it's not approved by the Joint Review Board, we don't have a deal. But if it's approved by the Joint Review Board but the state turns it down, then we have a period at which the loan becomes a conventional loan where the developer pays principal and interest until whatever issue the Department of Revenue has can be rectified. We've never had that happen, but we have that provision in all our agreements that whenever we have a situation like this where the project comes before an amendment or the creation of a TIT, we have a fallback where it turns into a different type of financing until the situation is rectified. And a pilot provision in case... Uh, yes, there's, there's been a pilot provision <laughs> since 2010, so yeah, we've had that. Thank you. Um, just for the record, would you please state your name and your relationship to this project for our folks at home? Sure. Richard Arneson, and I'm a principal of Stonehouse Development, the developer for the project. Thank you, sir. Did you complete a registration? No. They might ask you to do that. Okay. Further, further questions? Further discussion? Seeing none on the question of adoption, all those in favor, aye. 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 <laughs> I didn't vote because I wasn't sure if that was a, if we actually had a question no. presented to us. Is there actually a motion or yeah, a question a presented to us in terms of a um, you, Like for your minutes, Lord, you yeah, have yeah. a motion? You're granting a, a motion. motion. We had a motion. Exception. Which was I'm sure was tantamount to approving the over 55 percent. Why don't we clarify the motion? Because I thought I thought all we did was to say we weren't going into a closed session. Yeah. No, we, <laughs> we had a motion. I think we had a motion to accept the report. Yes. No, we had a motion to one. approve an exception to the TIF policy. You stated. Okay. So it's a motion to accept. No, <laughs> and if not, the exception I of the TIF policy, otherwise known as approving the report. So, are we clear on the motion? All those in favor, aye. 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 Opposed, no. Motion carries. So there we go. Thank you. Uh, I'll take one more motion. Move adjournment. Okay. Second. All those in favor, aye. Aye. Opposed, aye. no. Motion carries.